Ducks Unlimited invites you to the third annual Ducks Unlimited Expo presented by Purina Pro Plan at Texas Motor Speedway, May 5th through 7th. Watch the premier canine performance athletes of the dog world competing in the incredible dog challenge, test drive a new ATV, or visit the live fire shooting ranges. DUX, the show for everything outdoors. To learn more, visit duckexpo.com. Howdy, everybody. This week's podcast also brought to you by Spartan Forge. Born and more, Spartan Forge was conceived while targeting terrorists. Think about that. Targeting bad guys during deployments in support of the global war on terror. We can also use this technology because of its similarities to track mature bucks. Now it's time to get this analysis into your hands. It's military-based intelligence, next-generation mapping. I absolutely love it. And I love the people behind Spartan Forge. They're like me. Second Amendment till the day we die. No exceptions. America first. Spartan Forge. Check it out by downloading the app today. So caught up now in pretending What we're seeking is the truth I'm just looking for a happy ending All I'm looking for is you Good morning, good morning, good morning, Campbell Smith. Welcome everybody into episode 675 of SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show presented by Mossberg. Little Pat Green, wave on wave. Decided by you guys, by the way. Uh, I'm trying to do better. I'm trying to put the poll up on Instagram on my stories every week and uh, let you guys and gals vote for which tune should open the week's show. So, uh... It was up. Uh, it was between Corey Morrow and Pat Green. You all chose Fat Pat, and so there you have it. Wave on wave. Uh, thanks for being here today. Oh man, it is. Uh, it's a great time to be alive in the great outdoors. I tell you what. I went to the Deerleys out uh, west this past week. I needed to refill feeders, check on fences, and start tearing out some. This camp. There, it's four thousand acres. There's like ten or twelve guys on it, and. Uh, as I've documented on the show, I don't have a camper yet, so I've been sleeping in a tent when I go out there. It was going to rain, and I got that F-150. It's got a bigger back seat, by the way, than the uh, the Chevy did, and um, I didn't want to put a tent up. It was like, it's going to rain. It's going to be a pain in the butt, so I didn't. I took everything out of the back seat and slept back there. I'm not going to say it was perfect, but I think I fell asleep. I was thermal hog hunting until about 1 and I uh, fell asleep maybe at 1.30, and I didn't wake up until 5, so I thought that was pretty good for uh, sleeping in the back seat, and then I went back to sleep until about 6.30, and by then, it was time to get up and start chasing gobbles, uh, but the point of the story was <laughs> I didn't get a turkey, but I did get the the crap scared out of me by a rattlesnake, so this camp with all these dudes has existed for a long time, and they have a bunch of wood decking kind of... Um, in between some of the campers. So I think at one point in time, cows got in there and they walked on this decking and punched holes all in it. And so it's kind of in disrepair. Well, my camper has to go when I get it, uh, which I did go look at one recently. Uh, But the camper has to go right in front of where all this decking is. Essentially, like the door opens up to the decking. Okay, this decking is falling apart. So I got to get it out of there. So I, I... 
tie a tow rope up to the truck and I just start ripping it out. Well, of course, rattlesnakes are going to be under there. Although I didn't see any. So I ripped the first, the first section of decking out and uh, come back, start to hook up the rope to the second part of the uh, section. And I mean, not three, not three feet from me, the rattle just goes off and I jump back. I'm like, and the thing is up, ready to strike. He's not coiled like he is pissed. And, and I was like, well, that's the last mistake you'll ever make, buddy. So he crawls under the next section of decking, and I rip that out and then promptly grab the shotgun as he is uh, slithering away and blow his head off. And some folks were like, oh, you're going to have a rodent problem now. I don't care. My kids are going to be there. Like the idiocy of those type of comments. I'm like, what do you, would you rather have rats or rattlesnakes? Uh, yeah, I think I'll deal with the rats and mice. Because you can put poison out for them. <laughs> and uh, yeah, a rattlesnake's going to send you to the hospital, especially your kiddos playing right there where the snake was. Uh, yeah, just stupidity. Uh, why don't you relocate the snake? That's another thing somebody said. I did. I relocated him without his head. Now he's like laying in the grass somewhere. Could have made a hat band or maybe eaten him. And I have had rattlesnake. It's good. But uh, I was there to hunt. I didn't have time to mess with that, nor did I care. Uh, so one less snake in camp, always a good thing. Scared the crap out of me. That's probably the closest I'd say I've ever been to being struck by a rattlesnake. Uh, yeah, yeah, it'll make you jump pretty damn quick. And he was, he was a man. He was fired up. He he did not stop rattling uh, for about three minutes while he was underneath the other section of decking. <laughs> uh, but yeah, watch your step this spring. Anyway, what are we doing today? Let me tell you. You know what to do. Pull up that stool a little closer to the old campfire. Maybe uh, check for rattlesnakes first. Pour yourself another cup of that black rifle coffee out of granddaddy's beat-up old Stanley Thermos because we're ready to rock and roll. Today, a very controversial guest. And I'm going to tell you right now, I do not agree with most of the things this gentleman says. I, I flat out don't. Some of the stuff will make you think. Some of it you'll probably dismiss and say that's uh, that's just BS. Like, for instance, his take on deer leases. It's it flat doesn't hold water in my opinion. Um, also, he's got he's got a take on the Second Amendment that I think a lot of Texans, a lot of Southerners, are going to take issue with. A lot of gun owners, like I think it's a, I think it's problematic. So I I don't think his views on conservation sometimes align with how conservation is funded via Pittman-Robertson dollars, ammunition sales, so on and so forth, gun sales. But all that aside, it is going to be a great conversation. And I am, uh, I'm glad to have Matt Ranella join the show. Uh, you might have become aware that he and his brother Steve no longer see eye to eye. I don't know where that relationship currently stands. But I do know it's probably not good, considering Matt has made it his mission to publicly expose Meat Eater as an outlet that does only negative things for the hunting community. And and, and other TV shows, too. I mean, it's not just Meat Eater. Um, he might take issue with this show when it's all said and done. I don't know. Maybe you'll walk away from the discussion thinking, well, crap, I can't listen to Cable's show anymore because Matt's right. <laughs> I don't think that that's the resolution you'll come to, 
But who knows? Maybe you'll join Matt on the uh, Hunt Quietly campaign trail. We'll also talk hunter recruitment, uh, R3 conservation nonprofits. Uh, Matt's got a hot take on them. And who knows what else. Uh, but certainly looking forward to having Matt Ronella join the show. Let's do a quick giveaway here. I've got the, uh, we're doing a protect prize pack today. Y'all know I'm a big fan of their natural supplements. Uh, they've got energy, rest, recovery, hydration, all natural stuff. You pour it in your water bottle. Mm, big fan. And uh, it's what I take before the gym and after the gym. And if I'm having trouble sleeping, I take the rest product. Uh, we'll give um, a packet of each of those away and the Protect Access to Your T-shirt. It's pretty cool because uh, the founders love chasing free-ranging Access to Your in Hawaii. That's where that's from. We love our Access to Your in Texas too. But uh, Protect Prize Pack today. All you need to do is email the word Access. That's Access to Lone Star Outdoor Show at gmail.com and you are entered into today's giveaway. Uh, coming up next, Matt Ranella joins us on SCI's Lone Star Outdoor looking for a thermal hog hunt near DFW, then 3 Curl Outfitters has you covered. Offering fully guided thermal hunts just minutes south of Dallas, guide scout daily to put you on the bacon. Using thermal imaging technology to hunt feeders, crop fields, and river bottoms, you get unlimited hogs and no kill fees. Visit www.3curl.com. Also offering corporate hunts and food and lodging available by request. Book at 3curl.com or call 214-455-0940. In the market for a compact track loader, check out the Bobcat Advantage, where Bobcat track loaders squared off against other brands in a variety of tests and challenges. Whether you're looking for performance advantages, uptime protection, or quality design, Bobcat compact track loaders are the best built machines in the industry. But don't take our word for it. Watch the videos at BobcatAdvantage.com or see Bobcat machines in person at one of our nine North Texas locations. Visit BobcatOfNorthTexas.com or call 469-586-0000 today. Ducks Unlimited invites you to the third annual Ducks Unlimited Expo presented by Purina Pro Plan at Texas Motor Speedway, May 5th through 7th. Watch the premier canine performance athletes of the dog world competing in the incredible dog challenge. Test drive a new ATV or visit the live fire shooting ranges. DUX, the show for everything outdoors. To learn more, visit duckexpo.com. Hey, this is Phil Hamilton, and you're listening to my good friend, Cable Smith, on the Lone Star Outdoor Show. Running the name of that one from our good friend, Phil Hamilton, bringing us back on SCI's Lone Star Outdoors show presented by Mossberg Firearms. Cable Smith here with you. Um, we're all set for some fireworks as Matt Ranella is about to join us. Oof, it's going to be interesting. Uh, but first, this segment brought to you by Mossberg Firearms and the 940 Pro Turkey. It's the evolution of Mossberg's semi-autoloading platform, and you can get one in an 18-and-a-half-inch barrel or a 24-inch barrel, whatever you prefer. MSRP, just under 1200 bucks. You can find it at Mossberg.com. All right, let's do this thing. Joining us right now, it is my pleasure to welcome Hunt Quietly's Matt Ranella to the show. Thanks for having me on, Cable. 
It is my pleasure. My pleasure. Uh, so I, I've had your brother on countless times over the years, going way back to the uh, Wild Within days. That was when I first saw his saw him on TV on Travel Channel. This is my first time visiting with you. So excited about that. Uh, where are you uh, joining us from today? I live in Miles City, Montana, and that's where I am today. And what part of the state is that? It's out in eastern Montana. It's 90 miles. It's like 100 miles maybe or west of the state line with North Dakota. Okay. I have uh, a little bit of experience hunting Montana. I did a black bear uh, hunt there and then uh, hunted elk there. I guess that was probably 2018 maybe. Sucks, doesn't There's no reason to come here. Well, my experience didn't suck. I mean, we there was I'm three done, of I'm us. Yeah, it was, it was pretty awesome. Although, and I've said this before, I saw we were up around Kalispell for the bear hunt and saw more freaking grizzlies than black bear. So, yeah, yeah, that was, yeah. Uh, and then the elk hunt, there was three of us. I shot and missed and, uh, I was with, uh, we were with, uh, Ty Stubblefield and, Oh, I know. The Ty. One, yeah. The, so the elk that I missed, I, sh- I shot it. You could see the arrow ping off a branch and go over his back. I go to knock another arrow before I can even do anything. The elk is dead. Ty is cow called and stopped the elk and has shot at it like 40 yards with just like instinctively. I'm like, oh, so, so that's the difference between a flatlander and someone that's been doing this for 20 years. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. He's pretty good hunter. I'm told. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I witnessed it firsthand. I was like, yeah, it was, uh, it was impressive. Um, but yeah, that was a beautiful part of the state. I don't Wherever Ty lived at the time, wherever BHA was, is where we flew into, and then we drove like two hours. Missoula, Missoula, yeah. But now he's a bison farmer, and he's uh, yeah, he's yeah. he's quit all of that BHA nonsense. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, yeah. Still hunts a lot, I know. Oh yeah. So, uh, so who's older, you or Steve? Me. So you could win in a fight. Well, I mean, at some point some point that gets reversed right once you're full grown like <laughs> i probably at this point am more declined than he is yeah but uh, um i'm a lot bigger than he is so yeah yeah i mean i sure fought with so i have two brothers and the youngest one was nine years younger than me so we didn't really you know scrap much but the other one was 18 months younger than me and i beat on him pretty good i think uh, for a while. And then we got to about high school and he got tired of me kicking his ass and he let me know one time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I had, well, there were periods in my, in my youth where I could take both of my brothers at the same time. And there were other periods where that they, they could take me if they collaborated. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not, I'm not sure he's a fan of mine anymore. I left first light for like philosophical differences. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, this was probably two you years mean ago. You left first light. You like for them? Well, they were my they were my apparel sponsor, and uh, ah. yeah. And I eventually just like I, it wasn't a good fit for me ideologically anymore. Uh, what so, was your beat there? Oh, I think sometimes they maybe just pick and choose conservation when it suits the bottom line, like uh, a little more, like I, I just, I just 
there was a, just one, one, one instance that I just said, here's the thing that I'm going to go do. And then there was a, no, we're not really down with that. Um, it was in are Africa. Being, are you intentionally being cryptic right now? I am. Yeah. I don't know. Okay. I don't. Yeah. I don't want to okay. dive into it too much. Yeah. Sorry. Purposely yeah. being unclear or, or, or yeah, no, I was okay. purposely mudding the water. Let's just leave it as, yeah, I, I, uh, I left and, okay. uh, and, and it was better for me. And we'll, and I think Those what we're type of companies like clothing companies. No, no, no. Just like, like, do you, you, I don't, I don't guess maybe because you don't, you don't have sponsors. So no. I've been doing this almost 15 years. And when I first started out, man, I would, uh, you know, I was buying the airtime on X radio stations and, uh, I had to sell commercials to sponsors to make a living. And I would, or just to break even at, at that point in time. And I would take 200 bucks from Jim Bob's striper guide service on Lake Texoma, 200 bucks, make you a commercial. I'll run your commercial for, for three months for, I mean, it was nuts. I, so anyway, you build a brand, you, you, you have people that, that want to tune in now over the years, you build that audience and then you can be more selective with the companies that you work with. And it just turned out first light wasn't one that uh, I personally wanted to work with anymore. When I got first light, man, I was like, man, this is, this is huge. I love, I love their clothes and they, they make great stuff. Don't get me wrong. They make top notch apparel. It's wonderful. A lot of it um, rips too easy in my opinion. Yeah. Well, okay. <laughs> so yeah, but you could say that about a lot of brands. Of course, certain things are going to hold up better than other, uh, other, other products. But, um, yeah, it was, I got to the point where I think this will, I think this applies to our conversation where we're going to go with it anyway. But uh, I, f I don't want to be involved with anyone where I feel like maybe they're looking over my shoulder, not because of what I'm doing hunting-wise, but because of some of my political beliefs and the fact that I'm not shy about posting those. Like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So maybe that helps connect the dots to you. So I was just... Yeah. Yeah, yeah for sure. I, I know that Mediator in particular tries to stay unpolitical. I've, I've noticed that. Yeah, and I even would ask Steve about voting stuff on the show, and he would be very aloof about it. Like, would say that it's a issue by issue thing, but he wouldn't say which way he voted. But you know, I know Meat Eater employs a bunch of Democrat hunters, which to me, and this was for later in the conversation, but we're already here now. To me, it doesn't make any sense, and I'll just say why: because um, ninety nine point nine percent of anti hunting legislation is introduced by Democrats. 100% of anti-gun legislation introduced by Democrats. When you talk about what funds conservation in North America, it's those very things. It's Pittman-Robertson dollars, ammunition sales. Um, so to me, it do, and I don't know, we don't, we don't know each other. You might be a Democrat. I have no idea. But to me, it doesn't make any sense. So it doesn't, it, it does, my political viewpoints don't really matter because like at the end of the day, I, when it comes to what I'm, vocal about mm -hmm. what i've taken a stand on i'm on the side of publicly accessible non-pay hunting mm -hmm. in, in, in whatever political ideology is best aligned with that in any particular space is where i'm going to be so if it's uh the antis um i'm more aligned with the right if it's sell off all the public land like one of your senators wants to do i'm on the left mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I've had that senator on the show before, and we just had to. Like I, we had to agree to disagree. Two percent of public land in Texas is two percent too much. I mean, like there's a way where I'm definitely on the left. Yeah. Well, and I left it because he even said on the show, Ted Cruz said, "Well, you know, there's a solution in Texas. Just go get yourself a deer lease. Like that's what we all do. Oh you know." God. I'm like, a lot of yeah, he said that. A said, lot of people can't afford that. I just don't have any patience for people that are like. It's no different than the Democrats saying, oh, "Everyone, just go buy a Tesla." <laughs> like we can. I'm born on this little speck in the cosmos, and I get to see so little of it. And then when people come along like him and want to make it so I get to see even less, I just don't, I just lose patience real quick. Yeah. But I mean, the cat's already out of the bag in Texas. We are only 2% and it isn't going back the other way. So I can still, yeah, if it's infeasible to change it, Mm -hmm. but it can still make me mad. Sure. Sure. And I, and I wholeheartedly disagree with his take on that. When he, when he said, everyone just go get yourself a deer lease. I'm like, yeah, that's not realistic for a lot of people. So it's not even hunting in my view. I would yeah. rather buy beef and golf than, than <laughs> get a hunting lease. <laughs> well, okay. But you're not talking, why I got into it. Sure. Not but just, it, you know, it's like, if I'm going to buy access to the deer, why not just go buy beef? But, but I would say as someone who's had a lease, for my entire adult life like if i want to hunt close to home being from texas like that's the game I, that you're yeah, playing I, I, like, like i say from my perspective that's not even hunting it's just but, not but like, so so here's dive a bunch into that. of money landowner now i'm gonna go out it just like makes it into a canned experience instead of getting something by your wits you're getting something with your money not with not by your wits and that's so it's it's just not hunting to me i would say there's a little truth to that, especially if you're going on a high fence. But if you are leasing a thousand acres and you're trying to kill a big buck with your bow, I would say you're you're probably putting in your time and energy and matching wits with a very smart deer. So I would say I, I would say I'm not wholeheartedly disagreeing, but I can't I can't concede that it's not hunting and that you're not out there actually busting your ass trying to kill. Yeah, just by my definition, it's not hunting, and it's and high fence could be harder than just leased. Because if you have leased property that's surrounded by public, the public is going to be getting hammered and pushing all the animals onto the lease, which could make it better. You got a bunch of immigration onto your lease. Okay, but you're kind of shooting holes in your own argument because you already admitted that Texas is 98% privately owned. So we don't have the public lands. Therefore, we don't have these animals being pressured on public land and coming to our lease so that we can smoke them. Generally speaking, I think that that least hunting can be way more effective than even high. I mean, maybe way more cherry than even high. Well, it hasn't been my, my experience and see So here's, here's an example, this deer right here, uh, that, that drop time buck in the background there, like 220 something inches. And uh, a guy invited me. He's like, Hey, come, come hunt my, my biggest deer. Dude, it took like an hour. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't even go. Yeah. So, so this was a dozen years ago. Right. And to me, when someone walks in my studio and they see that deer, they're like, Oh my God, tell me about that buck. He's so impressive. And I I immediately, I don't want to say I look at it with shame because that wouldn't be true, but I look at it with indifference because I don't care. Mm -hmm. I'd say to them, no, look over here at this little three by three. I killed with my muzzle loader in New Mexico at 11,000 feet on public land, because that is a trophy. And that was an experience. So the older I've gotten, Eh, the hyphen stuff people invite me 
um, sometimes I'm not really even interested in going at this point. Yeah. But the trophies don't mean, to me personally, they don't mean much. Mm-hmm. Insignificant. Uh, I will immediately deflect or say, hey, look at this this elk that I killed with my bow in New Mexico on public land. You know, that that's what a trophy is to me. Um, yeah. So we'll have to disagree on the least stuff as someone who's hunted. I mean, even a 20-acre place in my home county here, bow hunting, I hunted so many damn days and never even had a buck. I mean, if I was on there, he knew it every time. It was very hard. Um, but it seems like you and Steve have had some recent philosophical differences and I don't listen to the mediator podcast, but I definitely tuned into the one, I think it was maybe 18 months ago or something where, uh, you guys got into hunter recruitment and that's when I first became aware of your take. Um, I think it surprised your brother as well. So seeing as how this will probably be the, uh, the meat of today's conversation, let's, uh, let's table it. We'll come back and tackle it head first after the break. That segment, Brought to you by Big and J Whitetail Attractants. If you have a deer lease uh, or you own your own land, great for those situations. I'm telling you what, uh, maybe you'll even pull deer off of the neighbor's place or uh, public land. I know Matt thinks that's cheating. I personally think it's awesome uh, because who doesn't want? Do you want more bucks or less bucks on your property? Well, I think we'd all agree that more bucks is mo better. So uh, check it out. Big and J, you can find it at bigandj.com. We'll be right back on the Lone Star Outdoor Show. Become the home of the afraid. Afraid of the world, afraid of the truth. Afraid of each other. This ain't the country my grandfather fought for. Land is the one thing they're not making any more of, but we all want it. And Lone Star Ag Credit has been helping its borrowers finance their own piece of paradise for over a hundred years. They'll do the same for you. If you're ready to take that next step and make the dream of owning your own land reality, then head over to LoneStarAgCredit.com. Hey guys, Cable here for Armasite. If you're looking to light up the night, whether that's with thermal or night vision, then you need to head over to armorsite.com. That's where you can find all of the thermal night vision monoculars, uh, thermal weapon sights, and, of course, night vision nods. Yeah, those cool-looking helmets, the one that I have. Yeah, buddy. You can find them over at armorsite.com. They've got it all right there. And even better than that, they've got some new stuff coming down the pike, like the 640 contractor. I've got the 320, 640, even better. You can find it all at armorsite.com. I'm Chris Letzinger, online sales manager at Cinnamon Creek Ranch here, reminding you we're not your typical archery club. We're a one-of-a-kind archery facility with indoor and outdoor ranges, a full pro shop, and six different 3D courses. Cinnamon Creek was designed by hunters for hunters. Located in Roanoke, Texas, we have over 200 3D targets to hone your archery skills. Call 817-439-8998 or visit us at cinnamoncreekranch.com to visit our new online store. That's cinnamoncreekranch.com. Oh, the sun's gonna shine in my life once more. Love's gonna live here again. Things are gonna be the way they there's a great Buck Owens bringing us back on SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show presented by Mossberg Firearms. I'm Cable Smith. Thanks for dropping by today. 
We're still visiting with Matt Ranella, getting into his hot takes on all things social media, hunter recruitment, Second Amendment, who knows what else. Um, we'll dive back into that in just a sec. This segment, though, brought to you by Armasite. Here's the cool thing. Right now, through the end of May, Armasite will throw in a Watchman IR Illuminator. It retails for $220, by the way. They'll throw that in when you purchase any Armasite night vision unit. Uh, so if you're looking for night vision, now's the time to take advantage of that promotion. And you'll save 10% off with my promo code LONESTAR10. So 10% off plus the $220 IR Illuminator, the Watchman. Uh, find it all at Armasite.com. With that being said, Matt, let's get back into So what is your general stance on hunter recruitment? And, uh, and, and you can talk about the Outdoor Life article that was pulled, and then I think they put it back up. But uh, just walk us oh, through that. that. I thought you. I thought you had a piece, and uh, was it not? No, oh, it was uh, New Range American. Oh, Free Range. That's right. It was Free, free Range, Range American. American. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was the Black Rifle Coffee entity. Yeah, 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 yeah. So not so. Well, that was there. about hunting social media. That article. Okay, and so how does all of this intertwine, Matt? Okay, so lot to un un unpack there. That I am again hunter recruitment, and I define. I try to define it hunter recruitment carefully mm -hmm. let's say that a non-hunter develops an interest in hunting and they wanted some mentorship on how to do it responsibly then there should be help available to them if they approach a rod and gun club or a bha or elk foundation whatever so it could be like a number on the website. Uh, if you want to learn how to hunt, call here. Mm -hmm. I'm on board with that. I'm not on board with the way it is done, where it's the hunting industry and the hunting nonprofits approaching people through advertising, social media campaigns, collaborations with Joe Rogan, who's got this ginormous platform that sits at the nexus of the hunting and non-hunting community and try to bring people in. Because there's, it's an already overcrowded, saturated pastime. The, the, the demand for quality hunting so outstrips the supply that is comical. And the only reason that the nonprofits in the hunting industry try to bring more people into hunting is to make money. That is it. And I think that there are much more important considerations in dictating how much hunting promotion should be done than profit. How about the amount of enjoyment that hunting could can bring society? I, get, I think we're well past the, I, I, I think if there were fewer hunters, hunting would bring more satisfaction to, the, to society. Like we're way past the point of diminishing returns. And uh, how about what the resource can take? You know, there's all kinds of articles out there that the, the hunting nonprofits and 
the hunting industry wittingly or unwittingly ignore in their freaking hunting is conservation BS about the impacts of intense hunting pressure on wildlife. And it ain't good. Mm. So I'm not saying I, I, I disagree with what you're saying unequivocally, but generally speaking, hunting license sales continue to decline. Uh, maybe according to my calculations, according to my calculations, if you look at my article that I wrote for Meter, Eater, after adjusting, adjusting for inflation, it was about seven billion in the mid '80s, and in 2019, when I last analyzed the data, it was up to nine billion after adjusting for inflation. So, I, I, uh, I don't know that that's true, and certainly Pittman Robinson dollars are at historic all-time highs as well. Yeah, but I think inflation probably plays even more. No, these are this is after adjusting for inflation. Uh-huh. Look, I mean, look at the article. Okay, when did you publish that article? In 2019, and the funding picture has only improved since then, I'm sure, because of mm-hmm. COVID. Well, okay, a couple things here. Yes, COVID caused a spike in you know hunter and angler participation, no doubt about that, but the percentage of people that actually participate in those activities, especially hunting, is way down when you compare it to 30, 40, 50 years ago. That's not arguable. I mean, that's fact. But, of course, now we have 330 million people in the country, so I don't know where the balance is. But if you say we need less hunters, two things come to mind. I I, I wouldn't say that. We don't – we – I'm saying let's dispense with hunting promotion. Okay. I mean, there's all kinds of ways to make people be better. Do yoga promotion. Do drink less promotion. Do soccer promotion, because if that gets too crowded, you build another soccer field. Thank God you don't have to be a hunter to be a fulfilled human being, because if that were the case, 95% of people in this country would be unfulfilled. Maybe 95% of them are unfulfilled. <laughs> I know a lot of unfulfilled hunters too. So, um, But okay, let's say we don't spend the money on, I guess, what is the trade-off of we are recruiting new hunters, they're buying licenses that fund Pittman-Robertson, that fund conservation, yada, yada, yada. Uh, we put it in reverse and then yeah, we do... They're also, they're also, these new hunters are also making public lands inhospitable for wildlife. I mean, nobody ever says, except me, that there is a tremendous amount of data that indicate everything from spatial distributions to nutrient acquisitions, fat storage, et cetera, et cetera, and a milieu of species responds negatively to intense hunting pressure. So this idea we need more hunters for conservation doesn't factor in that that reality in any way, shape, or form. Meanwhile, there's absolutely no evidence that R3 has ever done anything good for conservation. Where's the evidence? That hunter recruitment has done great things for conservation. How about energizing the existing hunting community? Like 1% of hunters in this country belong to a hunting nonprofit or conservation group? Are you serious? Yeah, 
I live in Montana, the home of BHA, and 1% of hunters in Montana are BHA members. It's like, well, that might be because it's BHA, which I'm not a fan of, but, uh, I, you know, I, I understand what you're saying. It's incredibly small. Yeah. And, the, and even just if you are, even if you do belong to one of these organizations, the, the probably the most you do is write a check every year and, and maybe flip through the magazine they send you. You know, there's a lot of, there's a lot more that could be done by engaging the exist, existing hunting community, but the, they undergo this convolutive process of trying to bring people into an already saturated pastime, then try to get them to care about conservation and access. You know, it's like, it's just BS. It's so BS what is your take on? The whole reason they're doing it is because they bring in new people. New people have zero gear and zero know-how. So they can sell them all kinds of how-to content and, and guns and holding and stuff. And meanwhile, there's nothing, nothing done for the existing hunting community. I can't believe there's anything left for the existing hunting community that wants to hunt any, somewhere without paying for it. I just can't believe it because everything is aligned against it. What is your take on an organization like Ducks Unlimited? I can't take them seriously. It's like you can't, this year will be the first year where if you want to hunt ducks in Manitoba, which has always been a duck hunting destination for U.S. residents. People have gone there for years now, and, and you just buy a tag and go. Now it's a, now it's a draw. And on top of that, if you are drawn, you can only stay for seven days. And what's their conclusion from that? We need more hunters. We need more hunters. It's like the nonprofits. I, I've been saying that it's it's like the boat is leaking, and their solution is to drill holes in it. I mean, so I'm I, a simple person. I, I I think about things in a very simple way. It's extremely difficult to draw tags anymore. They're cutting back on opportunity, reduced opportunity things for going from over the counter to draw, reduced bag limits. That is the norm across this country. I have a slide with. 15 examples from 2022. I agree with you on that. Yeah, I agree. And That's... their solution is we're going to bring more people in. It's, it's just to make money. And so what I'm trying to do is get people to not give money to, please, if you're listening to this, do not donate to nonprofits that have an R3 arm, please. And if you're listening to this, stop buying products from these big companies that do all this promotion and are in bed with all these influencers and celebrities. Instead, check out check out our Instagram page, listen to my podcast, because you'll learn about some smaller companies that aren't engaged in the hype. I asked you about DU specifically because I'm, I've been a member of the Dallas committee for, uh, I don't know, a dozen years. Help host the, the banquet, which raises money. Uh, they, I mean, DU does do habitat restoration projects all over the country. Uh, but then you're also at a banquet where you are recruiting. Yeah, just give the money to the Nature Conservancy because they don't do hunter recruitment and they do all kinds of habitat work. Okay, but it's foolhardy to think they have the brand or the reach or the membership that, or, or even have done as much as DU's. DU's an amazing organization conserving millions of acres of wetlands. I just had them on my podcast two nights ago. They do some things that pissed me off too, like, 
some of the land that they own, they lease it out to hunting, which I, I can't believe they do that. But that but it's not a lot of acres. But that's the only that's the only thing that really ticks me off about them. Other than that, yeah. And they team up with ducks unlimited um on a lot of projects. So just give the money to them. Maybe they'll grow and the and ducks will go away in good riddance because they're <laughs> exacerbating the biggest problems in hunting today. I the also think problems in hunting today. And anybody that says otherwise is making money off hunting. Are routing, inability to draw tags, and lack of access. Those are the biggest problems. And people that make money off hunting are loath to say that, partly because they're responsible for it. Yeah, well, I mean, I make money off hunting. That's what I do for a career, essentially. But I try to bring a conservation-based program that also has an entertainment component and educational value. I mean, that's kind of been my threefold mission statement over the years. We, but, have, we have too much of that and not enough trying to get access. I mean, you are, you're talking to someone who that's what I've, how I've made a living, how I've built a business. is. Uh, so I get it's a, it's a double-edged sword. Uh, for me, but I do want to ask you this. Everybody that makes money off hunting is not aligned with sportsmen like me. Sportsmen that value high quality, publicly accessible, non-pay hunting. All you guys are bad for that, in my view. So I'm doing this because I feel like there has to be something for us. Well, I don't... I don't know if it's like a socialistic view or what, but we'll just have to agree to disagree because hunting costs money. And so to like blanket statement that organizations like DU or RMEF or the Bighorn Society, uh, that these groups historically have been bad for hunting and conservation. Uh, I just, I don't think that that holds water. And I personally would, would hate to see what the landscape would look like if those groups didn't exist historically. I don't think it would be a good thing, but your gripe is they're recruiting new hunters they definitely are doing that. I, I understand your your stance on it. Let's take a break. I want to come back and get into hunting influencers, celebrities, and outdoor television because I know you're pretty outspoken on their place in the hunting community as well. Uh, that segment of the show brought to you by the Stealth Cam Fusion wireless trail camera and Rustic Reminders Taxidermy. We'll be right back on the Lone Star Outdoor so what do you Show. Say we're 26? Some say a silenced gunshot is the baddest sound out there. At Silencer Central, we have another favorite. It's the sound of silence delivered to your front door. When you buy from Silencer Central, we handle your application, set you up with a free NFA gun trust, and deliver your silencer straight to you. With an average 90-day turnaround time when you use e-forms, buying a silencer is simpler than ever. Visit silencercentral.com and we'll help you get started. Cable here for Secure It Gun Storage, the gun storage system that caters to your specific needs. Lightweight safes that allow you to customize the interior to fit your firearm collection. I would know, I've got four of them in my house. It's decentralized storage that keeps me organized and never more than arm's length away from a firearm. The storage system keeps my guns and optics from ever touching or rubbing against each other as well. To check out their full lineup of safes and storage systems, just head over to secureitgunstorage.com and you can thank me later. There's a million conversations with my old man about who he was and who I am that I never had. 
just wouldn't listen I just kept digging myself down in them holes in my life Down in my bones Well, Cody Johnson bringing us back on SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show presented by Mossberg. I'm Cable Smith. Uh, we've still got Matt Ranella here offering up some hot takes, <laughs> to say the least. Um, we'll get back into that conversation this segment is brought to you by SCI, the worldwide leader in big game conservation. I'm a proud member. Here's why you should become a member as well. Because no group puts their money where their mouth is. And, you know, that's another thing. Like, I think about SCI and Matt's take on some of these conservation organizations. But, like, as far as legislative action goes, nobody's doing more. Uh, They've got their finger on the pulse. They've got Ben Cassidy, the head of government affairs, right there in Washington, D.C. And so when it comes to anti-hunting, anti-2A legislation, SCI is right there on the front lines fighting for our rights. Check them out. Become a member. You can do so at safariclub.org. Okay, let's get back into it with Matt. You know, it's no secret. We, we both knew going into this that we would disagree on some things, agree on some things as well. Um, I do want to get your take on hunting celebrities, personalities, influencers, whatever you want to call them, and their place within the hunting community. No hunting celebrity has ever helped me in any way. Well, I don't really. Okay, well, that's there's a difference because I don't. A lot of people, if you make a graph of. Would you call me a hunting celebrity? Because I don't refer to my, I don't think I'm a hunting celebrity. I guess that's maybe the difference. I don't know, Gage, what what you do beyond the podcast. And, And as much as your podcast is about like, making hunters aware of issues that affect them i i'm on board with your podcast no but i don't know what else you do like if you are gripping and grinning online then i would say that 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 makes you a hunting celebrity if you have if you're showing dead and dying wildlife on a public social media account Uh for everyone in the world to see i'd say that yeah that makes you a hunting celebrity what about my son shooting his first turkey the other day i think the if you're going to teach anybody not to put dead and dying wildlife on the computer, teach your kids. I mean, like, it just sends the wrong message to your kid. It, it makes it like, hey, look how many lo- likes you got, Junior, online. Look at all people glad-handing you. It's like, do you want your kid? I mean, it's like, that's what these people are, in my view. They're, they're uh-huh. these online hunting celebrities. They're like people that their parents didn't clap enough for them when they were learning how to go potty. Okay. So now they got to put their dead shit online to get glad-handed by people they've never met. Well, here's why I put it on there is because I believe in teaching my kids about hunting, and I believe sharing putting your kid's turkey on Instagram teach him about hunting. No, no, no. I believe that it teaches other people. Hey, and you know the, the you know the general response is that is so awesome that you're doing that with your son. And it makes me want to do that yeah, with but my underneath, son. Underneath, that's the exact same thing that promotes greed and hoarding of hunting opportunity. I mean, look at the top influencers. Like, if, I would argue anybody that's putting dead and dying animals on public social media accounts is either making money and getting free gear or wishes they were. There's never a point where the person would be like, oh, I've got enough now. I've got enough followers. It's too many. I'm shutting her down. They all wish that they were Cam Haynes, who's a person that kills five elk a year, two deer a year, a bear, um, 
and it's disgusting. It turns it into hoarding, bloating, killing for content. Who can kill the most? Who's the biggest badass? I think it's a terrible idea to have send our youth down that path. Terrible. Well, we'll have to disagree on that, but that's okay. I figured we would disagree on some things. Um, because again, I'm just, uh, it's like, here, I'll, I'll read you this. I'll read you this. And this is why I put this stuff on social media. This is from my daughter titled April 14th, 2023. She's in second grade. I didn't ask her to do this. Didn't know she was doing this. This is for a writing assignment in school. Dear dad, I love going hunting every year on opening day. I do this with you, Henry and Frankie. P.S. I love skipping school. I learned that you have to be quiet and wear camo. You taught me to shoot and aim a gun. Thank you, dad, for sharing this experience with me. Love, Stella. That's from a second grader. That yeah, I, don't I, think you have to, I think that's wonderful, but you don't have to show everybody on the planet the letter. I mean, we don't but need to. I did, and you know what? Me. I mean, I put that out there because I want people to see if you take your kids hunting, you don't, we don't ask for accolades as fathers trying to raise our kids in the outdoors. Sometimes, though, the validation just comes in the form of something unexpected like that. And I just don't think, I don't think, up until 12 years ago, nobody shared letters with, like that with society writ large. And I think it was better 12 years ago. Oh, dude, I wouldn't. Okay. Well, I wouldn't argue with you. I wouldn't argue with that. I don't think that Mark Zuckerberg has done anything positive for hunting. Oh, hell no. No, he absolutely oh, has not. We're just going to have to agree to disagree about that stuff. Yeah, no, everybody, every time I talk to somebody that makes money off hunting, it's mostly not agreeing. But I'm not disagreeing I mean, with... I, it's like, I wish, it's like, I, I don't, I don't like the act of being a hunting celebrity. It's not that I no. dislike hunting celebrities, right? Yeah. Like, if we weren't talking about hunting, we'd probably be aligned on any on most other domains but mm -hmm. you know, you know if, by by the nature of what i'm trying to do yeah there could be sharp disagreements between people like me and people that make money off money but i will point out that you're trying to get more followers for your instagram page so that you can get more people to hear your message yeah right? i mean so you're using so we're both using this thing that we detest because i hate social media i'm only on it because it's a means to an end I don't, even, I don't even hate it if it's used for making sportsmen aware of issues that are relevant to them. I, I think it could be a tool for good. I mean, so let me ask you this. The, the, the litmus test for me is if you, un, I say, and if you're listening to this, think about it, really think about it. Unfollow accounts that have dead and dying wildlife on them that are, that are out there for everyone in the world to see. Even if, what the reason I say to do that is because it perpetuates hoarding and greed and up in dramatically increases the access, the cost of access. It's free advertising for large landowners that want to lease and sell hunting land. Um, but even if that doesn't appeal to you, there's it, it's caused hunting bans. You can't spear a bear in, in Canada anymore because of Josh Bomar. You can't hunt grizzlies in British Columbia because some douchebags there filmed them shooting a grizzly in it sliding down a cliff and a snowbank and and that and the and that has precipitated so like why in the world it, it is so rude it's so rude to people like me that don't put anything on the computer like mm -hmm. you know other people are they, if they want to be unconcerned about that stuff for themselves 
fine, but it has implications for people like me that hunt for hide horns, meat, and personal satisfaction, not to make funny and get make money and get likes. You know, you're impacting my people. And and if you if you if you don't think that this is serious, you should look at what's happening in Australia right now. Yeah, they just banned bow hunting right and... left and right. Yeah, and it's because of public backlash, largely from people putting stupid shit on the computer. Yeah. I guess the other part of the conversation is when it comes to hunter recruitment, if we're not recruiting and this is kind of my catch 22 that I still, I I deal with internally is then when the antis come, do we have a loud enough voice? So I think, I think think that the more hunters you have, the more people are going to be more people are going to be putting controversial crap on the computer. That's where I'm at with that. There's no mentorship. It's like all these people are bringing in. There's nothing. No one ever says. Don't put. There's no teaching about. Like if you're gonna have a hunting, social media related site, have it be about conservation and access, and 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 don't put dead and dying wildlife on there because that's precipitated hunting bans. Period. It has. There's no. There's no mentorship about that. There's no mentorship about how about don't lease up a bunch of land in a state that has programs that allow everybody to hunt because then you're competing with those programs. You're hoarding up a thousand acres for yourself, whereas next door there's a 50 acre wildlife management area with 20 freaking people on it. You know, there's no mentorship about looking out for your fellow hunters. Like so, there the the recruitment bit is. Yeah, there's the, they don't teach about the big three. The big three are lack of access, inability to draw tags, and crowding. So why would I be on board with that in any way? Well, I don't know how many Texans you've talked to about this issue, but it's kind of apples and oranges. Do I like I'm to aware come... of the situation there? I no, actually, oh, I know, I know. On, one of the guys on our team, the Hunt Quietly group, is is from Texas, and he his family has a ranch. And he's right now figuring out a way to move away from leasing and allowing public hunting on that ranch. He would. He must. His name is David Blas. He's been very helpful to us. He's got. Well, a David must be. Right he must be financially secure. No, uh, he's a carpenter. Well, then he's one of the very few, dude. Because there's so much money to be made there, and you live in a capitalistic society. And in Texas, again, no public land, so it's not the same thing as saying. I mean, in Texas, I'm hunting. I'm trying celebrity. to prevent the rest of the country from becoming Texas, which I respect I think because it will. But I'm trying my best to take a little time and and try to prevent it. I don't think yeah. I'm going to be successful, but that, that's what I'm trying to do. But hey, you gotta. I, I, you, I think of Texas, states like Texas and Kansas, as allegories, cautionary tales. Well, no, I get it. I like to come play in your sandbox, though. You know, like I said, I hunt out west for elk every year. It's uh, yeah. I don't take a stance on, on I don't, I, I'm not opposed to people coming to my state or any other state to, to hunt. I'm all about that. What's comical to me is like EHA, who's got this aggressive recruitment arm, also backs legislation in Montana to try to limit out-of-state hunters. They, yeah. they, they sponsored a bill a couple months ago to cap bear hunters that could end up affecting you Mm -hmm. you want to come back to cap turkey hunting in montana so 
On one hand, they was like, we need more hunters. But on the other hand, they're like, but not here. <laughs> right. Where well, do you want them to be, Texas? <laughs> I already told you I don't like BHA, it's and comical. these are the reasons why I it, can't it, it, it's stand comical. them. And the only reason that they can't dispense with the R3 BS is because it's an expectation of all the companies that give them money. It's well, comical. They're also anti-gun, and that's not that's not no, that's not not They are. They are. I know I mean, BHA employees that sh- have sh- loads of guns. Yes, but when you talk about the top of the food chain, I know that they are. And you look at Ryan Bussey, who was the chairman of Gunfight, which vilified the entire gun-owning community, firearms manufacturer. You're saying that I just we'll, we'll, we're gonna, well, do, do you no agree way, where there's, there's smoke? No there's no way we're going to see com- com- come to common ground on BHA being anti-gun outfit. I just I don't know. think that their members are. But I think when you have leadership that is, that that's a problem. Like, I, I just the, think like- The, the head a, of the whole goddamn thing hunts with a gun on my wife's ranch every year. Sure. But if he's not, if he's opposed to people owning an AR-15, then then that's a problem. I don't think so. I, I'm opposed to people owning, I don't, we don't need that I don't think we need AR-15s. All right. Well, I'm we'll not have anti-gun. To, we'll have to agree to disagree on that, but that's okay. Um, so let me tell you my own personal realization about hunter recruitment because I've spent 15 years doing this. And let, let me back up because I started this before social media existed and it was a radio show, Matt. It, that's all it was. It was just a conservation education based radio show. There was no social media. You knew my voice. You didn't know my face. And then the world changed, right? And then you mm-hmm. had to evolve with it. And now it's a podcast. Okay. So now it's just basically a radio show and it still is on the radio. I mean, that's what I, how I started this thing. And it's, it's still on 20 something stations in Texas every weekend. Mm. Um, so it's weird because I didn't, I didn't ask for the social media, right? I didn't, I, it's just how everything evolved. Um, but when I heard that podcast with you and your brother, and then I've read the, the thing in free range American, it got me thinking, and I kind of was already, I mean, like, to me, it isn't about some of the things that you've said. It's about recruiting the wrong kind of hunter. And so if you're on the, if the, and this is how I summarize Does it. Does the right kind of hunter not reduce my chances of drawing a tag? Does the right kind of hunter not crowd me? Well, we, so, but l- let me say why I think it's important. <laughs> it's it like, does. It be- does. But, but if you're watering down the gene pool because you say I'm a hunter, but I'm anti-trapping or I'm a hunter, but... I don't think you should kill predators. Then to me, you're, you're recruiting the wrong type of hunter. And, and that's why I have a problem with it more so than anything else. Now you've brought up good points about conservation organizations, just being money-making machines that don't do anything. No, they're the handmaid maiden of the hunting industry. That's all they are. Uh, I think there are good ones and bad ones. Uh, but that's where I'm at is like, you're watering down my hunting gene pool. If you, if you're recruiting on social media, the wrong kind of hunter. And that's, that's, I mean, that's my stance. Like hunters who say, I don't know, a trapping's inhumane. Well, screw you. Then you're not on my team. Yeah. Well, yeah, we could get into that and my personal views on trapping, but that's just going to turn people off and it's not related to my message. But well, you, know, you can, what are your personal views on trapping? I, I would certainly rather have hunters out there that are anti trapping than people that are pro trapping and putting coyotes that in a leg hold trap on social media. I don't, uh, dude, I don't, I don't post pictures of animals and traps and I do trap. So 
I, I agree with you. I don't think those there's pictures that definitely don't belong on social media and a scared coyote uh, with a person approaching that's caught in a leg hold. It's not something that belongs on there. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know. Like there's just differences between hunting and trapping. And I don't think it, I don't like slippery slope arguments. They just fall flat on their face. Like what? It used to be that you, there was no speed. Well, your brother's a big trapper. I mean, did you, you grow up trapping too? Yeah. But it's just, yeah, I, I can see, I can see people being anti-trapping and, and pro pro hunting. I could see that. I don't think that that necessarily. What about pro hunting, but anti-predator hunting? When we know that that is a, a you know a, a valuable management tool. I guess like if somebody wants to be pro ungulate and anti-predator, I'm fine with that. I'm even fine if somebody wants to be anti-hunting. There's a case to be made. Sure, I mean. There's 8 billion people on this planet. We've lost 60% of our wildlife in the last 60 years or something like that. 95% of biomass on the planet is us and our livestock. Maybe the maybe they have the right idea that the beleaguered wildlife. I mean, I, I don't know. I'm a hunter. I'm pro-hunting. Um, and I'm taking tough stances. I'm taking stances on particular things. I'm trying to make it be that my, my community, which is like, I wouldn't even... If I would have known what hunting was going to become, I would have picked something else. Now it's just mm-hmm. a bunch of, hey, look at me. Aren't I a badass? People and people that are trying to make money off of it, you know, and people that are looking out only for themselves. So, I, yeah. I don't, so what? So what is your take on trapping? I mean, your brother posts pictures of him and his son with a beaver. Uh, and for me, it's like, oh, cool. He's teaching his son how to trap. Your take is? Number one, I, I'm trapping guess, it. Well, okay, so I guess the, where the rubber meets the road is the way you, you vote. Um, well, one time I did vote to ban leg hold trapping on federal land in Montana. Uh-huh. Um, so there you have that. I, I'm all about body traps. That Those are great, but I just, I don't know, man. I don't see the need having a coyote or a fox stuck in a leg hole trap for three days, freezing his ass off until some dip comes along. You know, I, I think it, it probably does. It probably is degrading. It probably is degrading hunting, hunting rights. I think that people, non-hunters and anti-hunters put hunters hunting and trapping in the same place, you know? So I, I think it's probably, if anything, being pro those leg hole traps and that shit. Like there's billboards around Montana with, with coyote, a coyote or a wolf or something in a trap. You know, it's it's it, it energizes the anti-hunting community. But where's the? Where's I hunt the... predators. I hunt bears. I've killed some bears. You know, mm-hmm. I I hunt my ass off sixty days a year for elk and deer and antelope and crap like that. But where does the trade-off I, I, for the? I shoot, shoot raccoons. Raccoons are omnivorous. Mm-hmm. Um, but for, from a management standpoint, like the wolf trappers in Idaho, where's the, where's the, or. Yeah, you know, there's a case to be made there because like the, yeah, there's a lot of wolves and they need to be managed. So I don't know. I don't, I guess I don't really, at this point, I, like I say, I voted for a leg hold trap yeah. at one point, but it, that's a really good point. And I, I guess I vacillate on whether, where I'm at with trapping. I know that I'm pro, I'm definitely pro body trap like conibears and stuff like that and snares uh-huh. okay with all that for sure 
Well, one thing that's become very obvious is how much alike you and I are, uh, because throughout this conversation, your transparency and honesty, I think, I admire that. And, uh, and, and maybe that's why I wasn't a good fit at first light, because I don't muzzle myself. I say, I call a spade a spade. If I don't agree with you, I'm going to tell you. Uh, you do the same thing. I respect that. Let's take our last break. When we come back, we will get into outdoor television, among other things. That segment brought to you by NUMA and the Renegade Quarter Zip. Uh, it's vented. It is moisture wicking. It is perfect for spring turkey season as temperatures start to rise. Check it out. It's the NUMA Quarter Zip. You can find it at numaoutdoors.com. And uh, also, guaranteed for life. Can't beat that. We'll be right back on the Lone Star Outdoors Show. Faces come out of the rain when you stray. No one remembers your name when you stray. When you stray. It's time to tell you about Protect products. Veteran owned and made in the USA, Protect makes your water work harder for you in the field. They have a hydration electrolyte formula for endurance and replenishment. It's perfect for elk hunting, right? Uh, energy formula for when you need an extra kick, immunity for optimizing the immune system, and one of my favorites, the rest formula to ensure deep sleep and proper recovery. All the formulas are liquid, so they mix instantly in your water bottle or camelback, and the cool thing is they don't gunk them up like a powder with that messy residue. They also have an easy-to-use line of mineral sunscreen for quick and odorless application and all-day protection in the field. For more info, Head over to protect.com to see their entire lineup. That's protect, P-R-O-T-E-K-T.com. It's that time of the year where you might want to try to kick off a new year with a fitness journey. Cryo and More has all your holistic healing needs with cold therapy, heat therapy, and pressure therapy, which shortcuts the time you have to spend recovering from your workout or minimize the muscle soreness you feel from physical activity. Cryo Skin is a body hack that speeds up the death cycle of the fat cells using non-invasive technology that uses heat and cold to eliminate fat cells. Your greatest wealth is your health. Visit cryoandmore.com or head over to the location off of Virginia Parkway in McKinney. I'm a man of means by no means. King of the road, I know every There's some classic Randy Travis bringing us back on SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show, presented by Mossberg Firearms. Cable Smith here with you. This segment brought to you by Lone Star Ag Credit and my friends over at All Seasons Feeders. Check out the 600-pound stand and fill if you haven't already. He's a game changer. With that being said, let's get back into our conversation with a man who is not shy when it comes to sharing his opinions, Matt Ranella, thanks for sticking around through the break. Let's talk hunter recruitment. Give me specific examples of how R3 has negatively affected you. I don't know that R3 is that all that effective. I think that hunting television is extremely effective. Um, if you if you graph draw odds for elk, deer, and pronghorn in Montana, Idaho, Colorado, and Wyoming from 
2012 to present, it was down around a 50% chance of drawing averaged across units in mm -hmm. 2012. And it bounced around there about 50% chance of drawing until 2016. And then it started jumping up dramatically. And now it's one in four. So whereas it's 25%. So whereas you can hunt every other year, now it's every four years. And if you also graph Google Trends hits for meat eater hushing, fresh tracks, and I, there was another show in there, you get those lines are almost identical. Mm -hmm. So some people like to hunt and other people like to walk around with a camera behind them, making it so that those people have less hunting opportunity. So I think that that's way, okay, so let me finish this point. I think that hunting entertainment is way, has a way bigger impact on crowding. And everywhere I hunt has gotten way, 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 way more crowded since I've been, been here, since I moved here in 97. Uh, and the, my thing with the nonprofits is it's a two-step process. First, because I'm trying, you know, I think the, the, the nonprofits should, instead of being aligned with industry and hunting celebrities, should be trying to do something positive for the existing hunting community. So it, I'm saying abandon the R3. And once they do that, the next thing they need to do is they need to discourage their members from putting eyeballs on hunting entertainment. So in your opinion, like an audience for that stuff, it would go away. Outdoor channels should just go away. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. it's, 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 there's a lot of people out there that have been negatively affected. Their hunting has been negatively affected by hunting television. So, mm. yeah, why wouldn't we, why wouldn't the people that care about, I'm in it for the hunting. I like quality hunting. That's where I'm in it for. I don't, I don't, I don't like hunting culture. I don't need to watch some stranger shoot something. You know, it's never appealed to me. And the, the wager I'm making is that there's some segment of the hunting population out there that really are in it for the hunting. And if you're in the for the hunting, you know, come together with me and stop watching the hunting entertainment and stop buying from companies that sponsor hunting and hunting entertainment. That's almost all of them. Yeah, I found some that don't though. Mm -hmm. So and you could Wrangler, find those Wrangler, Columbia, Gulch Gear is a little company that we support. The guy's a Pixar animator in Portland. Um TNK hunting gear in South Dakota. There's a website called the hunting exchange where you can get great used stuff. Uh, you know, like I have a daytime job in a completely unrelated sector. So this stuff is happening slowly and I need help. That's another thing, you know, reach out to me at huntquietly at gmail.com if you want to help me, but we're trying to do research to find companies that, that don't perpetuate the hype. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say it has directly affected me, even in Texas, because one thing that we do have where you can hunt public land really without issue is duck hunting. So we, hmm. we have a lot of waterfowling. So That's when cool. I was, in, I when I was in college, oh yeah, most of our WMAs, I mean, it's they're open to waterfowling. Now, if you go to one in the middle of smack dab of Dallas, then no, it's probably closed. But, you know, I would say over half of them are open to waterfowling. And... Uh, 
I, when I first started duck hunting in my early twenties in college, I, it, it wasn't this wild west shootout and this boat race and so competitive. And then duck dynasty came along and changed all of that. Changed yeah. And everyone wanted to be a duck hunter. And I could see within uh, like a two or three years hair and a long beard. A hundred percent. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know, like, I don't know if those early guys who were just making duck hunting DVDs or if the jury brothers were making those early whitetail DVDs, like if they, if they knew what was going to happen, but ultimately, you know, then TV and then social media. And then here we are. And dude, I don't even hunt public land in Texas anymore for ducks. Mm. Ah, it's not, it's like, it's not worth the headache. And I'm mm. not, I'm not trying to deter the people that still do. I'm also 20 years older and have kids. And so, my desire to get up at 2 a.m. and to play that game has waned. I will be the first one to admit. Like we'd stay, we'd go there at nine o'clock at night, drink beer, sleep for an hour, and then get up and and go hunting. You know, and that was what college duck hunters did. And we took pride in being the most hardcore hunters that existed. That's not me anymore. I still love duck hunting. I don't do it in that situation, and it's because yeah. it's I've not had, as appealing. I've had people on my podcast that talk about. One guy I remember he was talking about how when he was a kid, he hunted places, timber holes in Oklahoma, I think it was, mm -hmm. that are now going for five thousand bucks a year to lease that hole. Yep. And I don't think that would have happened without Duck, you know. So it's like thanks, Duck mm -hmm. Dynasty, and thanks for the hunter recruitment, Ducks Unlimited. You bring up some interesting things to think about philosophically. There's no doubt. Well, I mean, these are the like the common sense viewpoints that every when I talk to people that don't hunt, they're on board with me immediately. The only reason that everybody isn't on board with what I'm saying because it's the obvious stance to take on all of this stuff. It's completely obvious, but they've just been fed with dogma by people that make money off hunting for decades. Well, I mean, so it's like everything in the sphere is infected with our attitudes and what we value and what we think the threats are is all a consequence of people that make money off hunting, telling us what to think, you know? So well, would you agree though that... the common sense views, you know, and it's, it's like, there's so much where even, even poll, even polling data, good polling data, should inform what we think but it doesn't like the national shooting sports foundation it, that's the gun industry that is the firearm industry uh they they want to bring in more people to hunt their polling data says that crowding is a huge issue crowding is the problem is is the bottleneck in bringing more people in bringing more people in is the bottleneck to bringing more people in they also say they their polling data also says that 80, I think 80, 80% 80 of people in the country, something like that, a major majority are opposed to trophy hunting. Um, well, that's stupid. And they've made it, they've made a nasty word out of the term trophy because for you, and you already said you I like say top influencers. The top people are killing six, eight animals a year or six elk, five, six elk a year. Uh, Aaron Snyder kills like 25 big game animals last year. John Dudley, who moves five out, and then they've all got to go on social media, you know? So mm -hmm. th these people are not, they, they don't care about your rights to hunt. They, they just wave it in the face of everyone willing to look, despite what 
The National Shooting Sports Foundation's own polling data show. Right. It's gross. It's it's rude and it's gross. But what you said about the term trophy is, I mean, you're if you're pursuing a mature well, male of a species. Meat. You're killing 25 animals a year. It's not about meat. I mean, I would argue that the equivalent of one elk, one deer, and one antelope is plenty. And if you don't think so, maybe you should learn how to bake a potato or make a salad. <laughs> like share, share, take what you need and, and, and realize that the, the, the supply of hunting is so outstripped by the demand for it that just share. Five moose in a year is a lot. No, five elk and two moose. That's a lot. And a variety of other big game animals. Yeah. I haven't killed an elk. I've tried every September, but I think I'm on a four-year drought of either missing or not shooting all archery. Um, but like I said, I'm just a Texan spending my time in the mountains every fall. Uh, but I did get my uh, New Mexico draw results today unsuccessful. So mm. yeah, there's that. Uh, it has become oh, more difficult. Tough, that's a tough state to draw in. Thanks oh, yeah. To like Randy Newberg. In, unless what? Thanks to people like Randy oh. Newberg, that's a tough state to draw in. Yeah. Yeah. And and it's hard for me to sit here and let and, and let you beat up on people that like Randy. I haven't I'm talked to him. up on him. I'm just saying the facts. Right, 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 right. Okay. I mean, I like Randy. He's a great guy. But yeah, it's uh it's the same thing as uh Duck Dynasty. Um, I don't know. I don't have a TV show, so I don't think I'm as big of a as big of a part of of this message. But then I would I've had guys like Randy and Steve on the show many times over the years to pick their brains on topics or or maybe not this and, topic. No. <laughs> so and and maybe, and I'm not gonna say that isn't true. When I was first starting out, this is some, these are the big topics, and no none of the celebrities are talking about these topics. And I'm gonna they are the central topics. And I'm gonna make an admission which I don't think I've done, but I don't think it's ever been brought up for me to get, you know, starting out a decade. Well, I've been doing this 15 years almost, but starting out to get someone like Ted Nugent or uh, Randy Newberg or later on Steve or whoever on the show brought me eyeballs and listens, you know? So there yeah, was I just a... interviewed uh, Jim Shockey. Yeah. So was no. that for, for listens? I mean, are we trying to get, grow our audience by I'm definitely trying to grow? I'm trying to build a movement. So, but so, and I was trying to build, uh, an audience. Mm -hmm. I don't, like I said, when I started out, it was just a radio show. So I didn't have all the social media, but I knew that those guests would get me more listens. Right. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. So there's I, a, I would talk to, I would talk to anyone on, on the podcast. You know, I would talk to anybody. I'm open to having my mind changed. It's just at this point, I, I don't know what somebody could say to me to convince me trying to keep an open mind, but it's just hard to imagine that I'm going to change my mind on these issues. But I'll talk to anybody about it. Mm -hmm. They will. We can talk more about the grip and grin because that's all over. That's that historically has been a part of magazines of out of outdoor, any outdoor publication. That isn't a new thing. And the grip and grin on in a magazine. No, no, it's not I mean, in the, in the arc of humanist history. It's extremely new. Well, sure. But so are magazines. So that's what I'm saying. Magazines are extremely pictographs portray people hunting in ancient cave writings all over well, the world. Right. So they did. They've always documented this part of human history and our way of life as hunters. 
has always been documented as technology evolves. I don't know. I just, I don't have personally have a problem when I see a grip and grin, I'm like, Oh, that's a not, and especially I now don't, I don't want a lot of blood and I don't want the tongue hanging out. I want it done respectfully, but I don't, I don't care. It doesn't strike an emotional response to me other than, Hey, nice job, dude. Congrats on your, whatever it was that you killed. I think it, I think it, it, um, strikes this response in a lot of people. Ooh, he sure got a big one. Um, I need to compete with him. I'm going to have to get a bigger lease. That's sad to me. And, 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 and uh, it turns the whole, it turns hunting. Okay. We talk about hunting TV or whatever, but like with the hunting social media thing and putting dead and dying wild gripping grins on public accounts, it just, it turns hunting into a competition. You think people are that competitive? How else, how else can it be construed when you consider that the people that have the most eyeballs on them are the people that shoot the most? Shit? I, I don't know. I, I mean, like I said, I haven't killed an elk in it, years. It turns it into a competition. What's the hardest thing to get? If you want to be a successful hunter, the hardest thing to get is it's not like, oh, I got to be able to have the newest how-to content or a jacket that keeps me warm or whatever. The hardest thing to get is access to quality hunting ground with abundant game. And when it turns into a competition, that's what people compete for. Exclusive access to as much land as possible. You know, mm. there's a lot of people, a lot of outfitters in where I live that they lease a place and then a big place. And then they'll lease surrounding smaller parcels not because they care about hunting those, maybe it's not great habitat, but once in a while, their deer and elk sneak onto those and they don't want people shooting the big ones over there when they, you know, so they lease those up too. That's what hunting's become. And I, and I don't think it would be nearly as bad if it wasn't for hunting social media. Hunting TV is terrible too, but. Well, I don't know. One time I was in Colorado it's the only time I've ever, ever hunted elk on private land. And they do this, uh, ranching for wildlife thing where the state gives this property X number of rifle tags during the rut. So you're rifle hunting middle of September in exchange, the ranch, which was 50, a hundred thousand acres, massive place, uh, owned by the guy who started Gander mountain. Don't remember his name. doesn't matter. Um, and That's I didn't pay a big for problem that. too, is hunting companies buying up loads of land. It's like they take the money we give them for products and make it so there's nowhere we can to, to use the products. Mm -hmm. Now that is I, that is irony. There's no doubt. So they, would, they all, there's so many of them do it. Real tree, uh, mossy oak. Oh, I have a list. I should pull it out, but there, I, have, I have about ten of them. They also sell hunting lands. Oh yeah, mossy oak properties is a big thing in Texas. It's, oh, let me review, let me see if I can find my. Uh, well, you, but while you're doing that, let me tell you this story. So I'm there and doing this ranching for wildlife. And I, it was when Hurricane Harvey hit Texas. And so my buddy's dad had bought him and him, his dad and him this hunt. And I was like, I prefer to do it with a bow on public land. But I'm sure, sure. He was like, I can't go. My business has been affected by this hurricane. You want to go? I was like, yeah, sure. Uh, so I go and we hunt, rifle hunt during the rut. And uh, dude, it was so boring because at nine o'clock the hunting was over and I was like looking at my guide and I was like, what is up dude? And he goes, 
whoa, whoa, we can't push them onto the, uh, onto the public land. So we don't, we don't hunt them after 9 a.m. And I was like, <laughs> I said, the elk that I've killed on public land, I killed it like noon, like in their beds. Like this sucks. I, was, I said, I'll never do another <laughs> private land elk hunt where they, are, where they tell me that quitting time is at 9 a.m. And then you don't start again until 5 o'clock in the afternoon. Oh, wow. And that's, the whole reason was we don't want to push story. them on. We don't want to push them onto the public. Yeah, that's that's a great story. Yeah, I just gave this talk talk at the Hope and Young banquet. I had, I had the I put a talk together. Mm-hmm. I'm looking for a slide that I think is pretty funny. Here's a quote from here's here's Mossio from their website. The importance of recruiting new active hunters can't be overstated. And then here's here's a advertisement from them from Mossy Oak Properties. With each season comes larger crowds sharing national forests and grasslands. With your own private hunting land in your backyard sharing the backdrop of Colorado's Rocky Mountains, you can't miss. Mossy Oak Properties know how important it is to get your hunt on without all the crowds. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like the people that sell the clothes for them and the people that sell the land really ought to come together and, and, and try to come up with a unified message, you know, because they it seems like they have split personalities. Yeah. Yeah, that's Real pretty evident. Same, I found this, this year's real tree. We have to keep introducing people to hunting. The more we have among our ranks, the better our future looks. This is from their website. And then elsewhere on their same website, this is the property sales portion. If you're ready to get away from the crowd, call today for more information or to schedule showing. <laughs> kind of a contradiction. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt there. So let me ask you this. In places that there is no public land, what should... how? What I have sol- a strong opinion on that. I know you do, but what is your solution? Like on if the you 28- have to lease, if you if, if leasing or buying hunting land is your only option, then have a heart. Like look out for your fellow sportsmen. If you you should be sharing that lease and that 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 or that land that you own with as many sportsmen as possible. Don't make it so that it's like. Oh, I, I'm managing it so I can get 180-inch deer. Manage it so that lots of people can get a three-point. I think, you know, that'd be my... I have seven acres, and they got it's got trespassing allowed signs on it. And if I had 70,000 acres, the signs would read the same, you know. I would manage it for quality. Like, I would manage it so that people could have a quality hunt out there. But there's no way in the world, no matter how blessed I was with land, that I would ever feel comfortable just keeping it all to myself. Hmm. So that's my, where I'm at with that. So let me give you, here's here are the three leases that I'm going to give you. For example, the one that I'm on right now in Texas is 4,000 acres. There's 12 guys on there. Okay. We, the only rule we have is you get to shoot one management deer, which most of the time means the kids shooting it and you get to shoot one trophy and the trophy just means four and a half years older, older, just shoot a mature deer, whatever it is. Try to make sure it's mature. Those are the only rules we have on the place. That's one. And I at least 200 acres in Oklahoma, me and one other dude. It's all that, I don't know if it could support more, but we pay the money. We lease it. We bow hunt it. 
And then I don't have this place anymore because it was so expensive. The most expensive out of all of them was in my backyard, which I'm one county north of Dallas in Collin County, which is an archery only county. It's bow hunting only. There's a very low deer density and I leased 20 acres. It cost me $5,000 to lease 20 acres, 20 yeah. acres. And, but you can't share 20 acres, but if I wanted to go hunting and I wanted to be 10 minutes from my house, like I don't have a trailhead. I don't live in Montana, but I'd like to, I'd like to drop the kids off at soccer practice and then go sit in the tree for three hours. Like I that makes that, that makes that a reality for me. I, I if you're spending money, I, I mean, I got, like I say, it, I don't know. You have to decide in your own heart if you're sharing enough. That's something you have to decide. I, I've decided that when I'm, if I'm spending money and time on trying to open up access, it's, it's trying to open up access for everybody, just not, not just myself. And I've started a nonprofit called Hunters for Access that does that very thing. We, we give appreciation gifts and raise money, give appreciation gifts, and do work projects on farms and ranches that allow hunting through government programs programs are primarily funded by the hunter hunting community but also they get some other dollars well is is 12 guys on four thousand acres enough i don't know i'd have to see it you know yeah i'd have to go out there and be like i'd have to experience it for myself well at some point it becomes like a safety thing like you can't have a a a deer blind or a hunter on every hill, just like you wouldn't want to be crowded on public land. It's the same thing. Like you can't yeah, you just say it's open to everybody. When people are leasing up way more land than they need. Then that pushes more and more people onto these tiny little chunks of public. And that creates a safety issue too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that probably applies more towards places like, I don't know, Iowa, Illinois, where they have a little bit of public land. We just don't have, I mean, we don't, there's nothing like there's literally Nowhere to go deer hunting here. There's a couple WMAs. They're overcrowded, obviously, because of the amount of people that are hunting, maybe because of TV shows and social media, whatever. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so I, I guess my message to your audience would be if, if they, if they, if I, if I seem like I'm credible or if it's what I'm saying rings true to them is, you know, what your hunting situation is there in Texas, how much land and opportunity you have. Just consider that there's a lot of people that would love to have a little more better hunting opportunity and, you know, maybe you could share it a bit. That's all I'm saying. Mm -hmm. Not trying to pass any laws. I'm just trying to get hunters to look out for other hunters. I'd um, feel way better. I'd rate, rate way better with a year and a half old. If I owned a bunch of land, I'd feel way better with a year and a half old buck, knowing that I let some people from down the road hunt or somebody that banged on my door from another state or whatever than shooting a 180 inch deer and keeping it all to myself. Yeah. Well, that is, I'm going to say that's, that's a unique take. I don't think it's one that most people share and I don't think that it's a wrong take. I mean, it's a very, it's a very generous idea. It's a, yeah, well, it's it's easy a, for me to say, cause I don't own land and don't lease land, but that's, mm -hmm. What uh? What is you and Steve's relationship like? At, We're like, strange. The, you are. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, I don't know. I've seen over the years the all the the Alaskan fishing shack stuff, and uh, that is that's your cabin, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's my brothers and another guy. Four of us own it. Okay. And it'll go. I'll go to my Steve and my other brothers' kids when when we all die. Oh. Huh. 
what is totally different topic, but what is that like the Alaskan Alaskan fishing experience? It it looks, I mean, and maybe it's because Steve's glorified it on social media that I'm like, well, that's cool. I want to go do that. And then you're like, damn it. Here's another guy coming to Alaska to do this thing. <laughs> but wouldn't you want yeah, other I have people come up to me in the airport up there and say, oh, you're how the hell they know I'm Steve Rinell's brother. I have no idea. But we came up here because, you know, because of watching the show. Uh-huh. So, it, you know, it happens. But I mean, the, the crowding does not affect our fishing up there. Well, there's one spot. There's a creek that we like to fish salmon in. And sometimes there'll be too many people there. But other than that. But I, 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 I still I mean, I've been going there for so long. But I still enjoy it. Uh, I still very much enjoy it as much for hanging out with old friends than, than the fishing. Um, mm-hmm. But I, yeah, I love to go run shrimp pots and catch halibut and catch crabs and stuff like that for sure. I would, I would way rather have a place in the Bahamas. Yeah. <laughs> you go to my wife and I go down there and spearfish. Uh-huh. Every year or so, and that place is just money. And what species do you target there when you're spearfishing? Grouper, hogfish, snapper, shad, chubs, uh, grunts, all kinds of stuff. Dive for clunk, uh, spear, spiny lobster. Huh. I, that is something I have never done, is spearfishing. Oh, there's pretty good spearfishing in your state. I'm told, huh? Like, like uh, some uh, of the rivers have good spearfishing. Huh, I wouldn't have thought uh, that. What are those tilapia? Huh? I don't know. I've never done it. I would certainly wouldn't have thought murky Texas water. Uh, I know that a lot of guys do it off of our. You know, actually, oil production has produced the uh, biggest natural or uh, artificial reef system in the world off the in the Gulf Coast, and that's all these oil derricks. And you look at a a vibrant underwater ecosystem it's unbelievable i've i've spearfished around those before unbelievable Mm -hmm. and so it's weird how oil production has actually helped the underwater (laughs) and like wow this doesn't really align up but it is the reality that exists yeah Um, when they're done drilling the oil they need to leave those there 100 percent. i don't know why they're so adamant about just removing them it doesn't make any sense to me Um, I wonder if that is, if it increases the number of fish in the ocean. Oh, I think it does because those, 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 uh, the habitat didn't exist unless those reefs are there. Like you've, you've provided habitat and like as conservationists, we're all about more habitat. Maybe that's not the bottleneck. I don't know. You know, maybe that's not the demographic bottleneck. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. It's hard to say. Maybe they're limited by something else. Hmm. Like but larvae, most of those fish don't like migrate, so survival or whatever. they're there. They don't migrate anywhere else. Um, as we are getting yep. close to wrapping up, what is your what is your favorite thing to hunt, Matt? Elk. I like bow hunting for elk. Me too. It's yeah. hard to beat that. Yeah. During I have a run. bunch of pack llamas, and I spend a lot of time up in the mountains, just me and them, and and my corgi. I hunt do all my hunt with my corgi, and uh, yeah, that's where I'm most at peace and and most riveted on what i'm what i'm doing i like the pain of it i guess i don't like it in the moment but it just adds to it just the, the excruciating 
eating exhaustion and working hard at it and knowing that I did my best. Yeah. I, I mean, I think that's why it is appealing because it's mm-hmm. physically and mentally the big, it's the most hell you can put yourself through. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I had blisters so bad. I showed you that elk earlier. I ended up, I got blisters on the way in and did oh. six, six or seven oh. days and you know, I'm putting new skin on and Luke, tape and everything else until the blisters had blisters, you know, and it was just a nightmare. Every step hurt, but I killed an elk on the last day. And uh, that was probably the most excruciating physical challenge I ever put myself through, Mm. but I'm, but I'm glad I did it. And there was a sense of pride and accomplishment at the end of the day. Yeah. So yeah, absolutely. Well, like I said, I knew it would be an interesting conversation. You bring up, things worth talking about and, you know, at least moving the needle on. Um, we'll obviously don't agree on everything, but that's okay. That's why, that's why these conversations take place, uh, to, to have an open conversation and come together and, and hear each other's thoughts and ideas, I think is very important. Uh, so we certainly appreciate your time today. And if you want to, again, uh, tell us, um, hunt quietly where we can find that and follow along. We have the Hunt Quietly podcast. You can find that on all the podcast players. We have a Hunt Quietly Reddit, and we have a a, a Hunt Quietly Instagram page. The way I've been characterizing what we're doing is, in a nutshell, is trying to get. Uh, it's we're it's an information campaign that's encouraging hunters to spend their money and time in ways that align with their values so that's what you'll see if you check us out and cable i appreciate that your willingness to have somebody on that has a different take on the whole hunting gig absolutely best to you oh hey one more question because uh, one of the listeners asked he wanted to know what you're reading these days if you have any books or literature that you're into uh, wanted me to ask you um i'm reading a book i can't remember the title above about it but oh it's a it's called, I think it's called Right to Rome. And uh-huh. it's about this, this guy that's, uh, right. He, it's the book is about, uh, there's been, he spends a lot of time on Scandinavian countries and how they have a right to Rome there and what it would take to have more area open to, for people to recreate in this country and looking at access issues. So it's a historical look at private property rights and and the right to roam laws and things like that. Interesting. Well, right on, man. Well, I certainly appreciate it, Matt. And uh, well, I'm sure we'll touch base again somewhere on down the road. Yeah, hope so. All right. Take care, brother. Right. You too. Bye. So there you have it. Hunt Quietly's Matt Ranella. <laughs> he has a lot to say. I'll give him that. And um I obviously don't agree with some of the stuff he said. There's no reason to go back into those. I think I pointed out every time I did have an issue with one of his takes, but um, he brings up some great points as well. So I think it's uh, worth discussing, and I was certainly glad to have him join the show. Whether you personally agree or disagree with his takes, um, that's up to each one of you individually. That segment was brought to you, ironically enough, by Ducks Unlimited and the Ducks Expo taking place at Texas Motor Speedway next weekend. That is, it's Thursday, no, it's Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Ducks 
This is the third annual Ducks Expo at TMS. I'll be out there every day. Looking forward to it. It's going to be a hell of a good time. There's going to be tons of uh, amazing hunting dog work. There's going to be a shooting village where you can, again, shoot shotguns and rifles. There'll be um, tons of exhibitors and outfitters marketing their wares and services. So, yeah, it's going to be epic. I will be out there every day. Look forward to seeing your smiling faces as well. Uh, Unfortunately, we are out of time. Got to go. Got to get out of here. Thanks to Matt for uh, being a part of today's show. Thanks to all of our sponsors for making this show possible. Thanks to you, the listener, for being a part of SCI's Lone Star Outdoors show. Till next time, I'm Cable Smith saying y'all have a great week in the outdoors. Have another round, set them up, my friend. Then I'll be gone and you can let some other fool sit down.